0: Hi, I'm Peggy. And I'm Dave. And this is Amped. How are you today, Dave?
1: I'm doing well. How was your Mother's Day?
0: My Mother's Day was much better than Mother's Day passed. Um, I got to sleep in. Uh, Robbie remembered. Timmy was excited just because he is always excited. And uh, it was good. It was good. How about you? Did you spoil your wife?
1: I tried. I tried. My wife was out of town Friday into Saturday, so I spent all day Saturday cleaning up the house and moving junk that has been sitting in the house for far too long out of the rooms they were in and I fixed her closet doors to her clo- her, her clothing closet upstairs, which has been not working for about 18 months. <laughs> so Very cool. <laughs> I got around to that. Yeah. Awesome. So Scott stepped up on your end. He
0: let me sleep in. Well, so Sunday morning, Timmy, who is the little one, came over and kind of did the wake up call where he puts his face right against my face when I'm asleep to wake me up. And uh, instead of getting up, I just told him to go get daddy.
1: (laughs) Excellent. Good work.
0: And I pulled the covers over my head. So, and Scott kind of moaned a little bit because, um, yeah, he doesn't like getting up in the morning either. And I reminded him that it's mother's day. So he, he got up with him and Watched a few episodes of Max and Ruby and Wally Kazam before I got up and had coffee and just oh, kind of did my
1: Max anything. and Ruby. Man, I've forgotten about that show. It's
0: weird. Now they now they have parents. Do they? They do. And Max like speaks full sentences now.
1: I don't know about that. That seems. I
0: know. It's kind of strange.
1: Yeah. Very. I mean, they're rabbits, right? Yes. Yeah. I, I vaguely remember all of this. I just remember the sister rabbit being incredibly annoying and Max being the somewhat cuter younger brother, but the show as a whole was not. On yeah, my it's top not 10. my
0: favorite either, but there's a there's one where Max gets a new train and Timmy is really in the trains, so we watch that one on an endless loop. Um every once in a while we still go back to the Polar Express. So we're, we're still all we're all in on the train thing in this family. So,
1: I, I don't envy yeah. you with yeah, that.
0: It's a lot of trains.
1: All right. Let's shift gears. What do we want to talk about today?
0: Sounds good. So I think today would be fun to kind of talk about things that um, we kind of gave up after our limb loss and some things that we started or changes that happened. Obviously, you know, limb loss is a, a life-changing thing, and although you can kind of – you can do just about everything that you did before just with modifications Uh, sometimes we find that even though we can do it it's either not as much fun or it just feels different or we just don't enjoy it anymore Um, so we're going to talk about things that we kind of gave up and other things that we gained after our limb loss
1: yeah, and so I think the format of this, Peggy, is you're gonna you're gonna walk through the things you gave up, I'm gonna walk through the things I gave up, then you're gonna go through the things you gained, I'm gonna go through the things you gained, and then at the end, hopefully we'll have something insightful and meaningful for everyone to wrap it all up into a neat bow. That, but no problem. That is always
0: the goal. <laughs> <laughs> we we have high ambitions at Amped. We don't always get there, but that is always our goal.
1: The aspirations are pure, even when the execution is That's,
0: not. Oh, very good. Yes. All right. So what have I stopped doing? Um, skiing in any form, water or snow. Uh, now, in full disclosure, I was not a skier per se before my limb loss. I have gone skiing both water and snow, um, and I enjoyed it. But there's no way that you will get me on skis since I became an amputee. It's just not going to happen.
1: Now, why will you not? I under so. Let's be more specific. Why won't you snow ski and why won't you water? Okay,
0: ski? I won't snow ski because it hurts when you fall. When I had two legs, it hurt, yes. and I can imagine that the pain would be intensified, or falling could be a little bit more dangerous. Now that I've got a decade plus under my belt, and the fact that I'm using a prosthesis.
1: Okay. Water skiing?
0: And it's just, honestly, it's just something anymore that I just, I haven't done it now since since I had my accident, not even my limb loss, but since I had the accident predating the limb loss, um, the amputation, and I, it's not something that I really... Miss in my life. Every once in a while, I think, oh, I'd like to try water skiing, and then I remember, you know, that it's not comfortable when you face plant on a wave when you're going like 30 miles an hour behind a boat. Um, so I just don't feel the need to do it anymore. Now the the next one actually does kind of bother me that I don't do it anymore, and it's roller skating, and I'm also going to include ice skating in that. Uh, my older son loves ice skating, and I just, I haven't been on skates since my accident and the prospect of strapping wheels onto the bottom of a prosthetic just really scares me. And again, I go back to the falling thing. I'm starting, you know, I'm middle age now. I'm starting to get that that, I, that time where things don't heal quite as fast as they used to. And I don't bounce up quite like I used to. Um, and I just look at these situations and go, you know, I, I think I'm good.
1: Yeah, I think... Um- I'm with you on on both types of skating. I, I was never a very good ice skater, but I did it a little bit. And um, when you fall on ice, it's not comfortable. Um, falling on pavement is even less comfortable because you don't um, you know you don't slide. <laughs> so you get you get friction plus hard surface instead of no exactly. friction and hard surface. And and I actually tried probably about five six years ago now. I tried. Uh, skateboarding okay. using a longboard that my kids had. And I went out into the street and I did it. And I was sort of like halfway doing it a little bit at very slow speeds. And the moment I stopped was the moment where um, the skateboard came out from under me. I caught myself on the pavement, but was really out of control. And I said, you know, if I keep doing this, it's inevitable that I'm going to crack my head open. And I have no desire to do that. I don't need this anymore. So I gave it up in that moment. I did it for about 20 minutes and that was it. I said, no upside here, only downside.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel about skiing and skating. Um, Now, the last one actually does bother me. And it's not really something that I've stopped, but it's something that I can say I no longer enjoy. And that, Dave, is going to the beach. I used to love going to the beach and digging in the sand and walking along the surf and playing in the ocean. And now that I'm using a prosthesis, it's just, it's just a pain. You know, sand gets in the crevices, gets under my liner. You, you crunch for weeks after you wear your prosthetic on the beach because those little shells get in there, you know, and until I completely emulsify them into a fine sand that comes out or take them to get the whole thing taken apart. It's just, it's not fun anymore. So, you know, being an amputee for me has really, that's the one thing that I do miss is is being carefree on the beach. Um, and right now it's just a pain.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I don't miss it, <laughs> but I get it. It's miserable to walk with only uh, one leg in sand.
0: It is. It's hard. I mean... Just the effort that it takes to – and I'm a BK, you know, but even even with just a BK, it's hard just trying to compensate and the sands drifting and especially that darn soft sand. And it's just – I miss being able to just pack up and walk on the beach like everybody else and not have to think about it and not have to plan my steps and not be afraid in the ocean that my, you know, my leg is going to get taken off at the, the wave and then, you know, I'm really screwed, so – I miss all of that. So that kind of sucks.
1: Yes, I understand. I never was a huge fan of the beach. So I feel like amputation just gave me an excuse not to do something I already didn't enjoy. But okay. I know that uh, that is probably not a majority view. Yeah. I
0: mean, it's so something that my amputation has given me kind of a. So if yours kind of gives you the excuse to not like the beach a little bit more and like a get out of the beach card free, mine is wearing pantyhose. I love that I no longer have to wear pantyhose.
1: I have not I can't speak meaningfully yeah, about it's, that. But it's
0: it's really nice. Really really nice perk of only having one leg. So, just-
1: personally. <laughs> yes. I will take your word for it. All right. All right. I won't venture into into that territory. Um what I've stopped. So, like you, skiing, but for me it's specific. It's snow skiing, not water skiing actually. So, I grew up Doing both of these sports a great deal. Um, I, I skied all winter, every winter when I was a kid. Um, I Actually, when I was in college, I did a little bit of ski patrolling. Uh, we, had a, uh, we had a winter semester, a one-month semester during what was break for most colleges, oh. and we could just do an intensive pass-fail course in anything we wanted, and I did ski patrol my junior year, and it allowed me to go up and ski for free anytime I wanted up in Northwest Massachusetts. So it was great. Um, so I did a lot of it, um, enjoyed it. Um, and then after I lost my leg, I did go once. I tried skiing again and I had a miserable time. I spent most of it falling on my mm-hmm. rear end. I was, it was such a different experience. Like I know what skiing should feel like to me. And it didn't feel like anything like it. And it wasn't just like learning as a kid how to ski. It felt it was so unnatural. And I'm sitting there and about halfway through the day, I was sitting there saying to myself, this isn't even the same sport. It doesn't feel like the same sport to me. And I watched, I was with some people who are really good skiers with limb loss. There There was a guy I was with who was also an above knee amputee who was trying to qualify for the US Paralympic team in the downhill. And he was amazing. I mean, watching him ski, it was like, wow, that's cool. But I, I wasn't, I was definitely not willing to put in the time or energy to try to get anywhere close to that. So I was not happy with it. Water skiing, um, I've done a few times since I lost my leg. And I enjoyed it because it was just very much a spur of the moment thing. I sort of did it without having any idea whether I could do mm-hmm. it. I used to slalom when I was, when I had two legs and I was reasonably good. And then, um... I was able to get up and, um, the weird thing was just not having your back leg on the ski. You have a lot less stability. Um, and especially I, you know, I was one of those guys who I'm just cutting across the wake back and forth the whole time. That was what you do. Um, and I found it really odd because on one side, um, I could cut somewhat normally cause it's your, um, It's your outer edge, I guess, technically, you're turning on. But on the inside edge where you don't have that back foot stability, it's much harder to cut. So um, I know that there are ways to customize uh, a water ski so that you can do something that's much closer to approximating two-legged skiing. (laughs) I've never gotten into it that much. I did it, but it's not something I'm really going to go back to. And you're right. The older you get, you know, when you're doing 30 miles an hour and you start skipping across the water after you fall, um, it doesn't feel good. You know, lying there on your back with the wind knocked out of you and your ribs hurting, it's like, you know, now, now maybe I can't walk the next day, so I gave it up. Um, another one for me, which was it was the main sport I was playing up until the time of my accident. I was I was in a uh, sort of an adult league with soccer, and I had played soccer my whole life. I started when I was in elementary school. I did not play in college, but I, I did play some club ball in college, and then after college found a group of guys who were anywhere between, you know, early 20s to mid 30s. And we just played in this, in this adult league. And the league was pretty competitive. We actually had two teams. I was on the B team. I wasn't good enough to play on the A team, but it was what I was doing to stay in shape. And I was, after the accident, you know, whenever I got around to soccer ball, even just trying to kick a soccer ball as an above the knee amputee is really hard to do. Um, and you can't do anything that approximates the sport. Um, and I know there's, um, there's amputee soccer with crutches and the guys who do that are incredible athletes. And I, I don't have the tolerance nor am I at the right stage of my life to begin trying to take that up. But, um, that was a sport that I really loved doing. And there's just nothing that I can do to approximate it again. And then the last thing for me, Peggy was running. Um, I, I was never really, uh, I didn't love running as an activity, but I could do it. And after my accident, I actually took it up again. And I I did a lot of distance work for a while. But the older I've gotten, the more my body is just broken down. And every time now I try to run distance, I just inevitably develop Achilles tendinitis. And then basically, I have trouble walking you know, for a few weeks after that, you're constantly having to try to stretch to to fix that. It's just, it doesn't work. And so I've had to give that up. And now I've replaced that with something that I'll talk about in the next section.
0: Awesome. Yeah, that was kind of a depressing part of our podcast, Dave, going over what we don't do anymore. So let's switch gears and go into what we do now. Yeah. Okay? Please. So I will tell you that I clear brush, and briars and break sticks like a boss now. If, if when we're going, because our backyard has a lot of woods and we have a lot of raspberry and blackberry bushes that overgrow and wild roses and all the little thorny things. And I'll, I will just go down there, leaving with my prosthetic side, and I can drop down all of those um, sticks. Just break it right over the carbon fiber. Um, never hurts my shin. I'm good to go. So um, I've been able now to take my yard work up a notch because of my prosthesis. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of fun.
1: Yeah, I'm um, with you. I'm the second with you one on is kind one. of
0: obvious. I have a completely new career uh, since since I became an amputee. I was a teacher. I was working in the schools. I taught blind kids. And now um, I work directly with the amputee community, building communities. I work on AMP. I work for a manufacturer. I started my blog. So I feel like, you know, my amputation has kind of opened up a whole new world to me. Um, and I've really embraced it and, you know, have started a whole new career and a whole new path in my life uh, because of my amputation. I never knew that, that this whole world existed. Um, and my third thing is that um, I am really, really confident now in a swimsuit, which sounds odd, but it's because, and it didn't occur to me until about three or four years ago when I was at the public pool uh, with my kids and I was walking around and I realized that it really did not matter what my swimsuit looked like or how jiggly my thighs were or if my tummy was flabby because the only thing anybody saw was me walking around on a carbon fiber prosthetic leg. And I've learned to embrace it and just, you know, nobody cares. I, I, I really feel sometimes like I could be at the pool completely naked and nobody would notice because everybody's eyes, there's something about seeing, you know, an, an amputee walking on a prosthetic in a swimsuit that really just draws all attention right there. Yeah. Um, and I'm just, I find it very liberating now. I just don't care anymore. I want to be comfortable. I no longer care about the, you know, maximum hold swimsuits. I'm just going to let it all hang out and just be me in the pool.
1: Yeah. And I think that's, that speaks to like a a broader conclusion, right? Which is that as you become more comfortable with limb loss and you, you learn to appreciate um, some of the things that it actually gives you, um, it does open up right. new opportunities for you. I mean, and, and that's an interesting one because it's a combination not only of doing something, i.e., going to the pool yes, in a swimsuit, yes. but so it's also you? how you feel about yourself, right? It's it's it speaks to how you see yourself and um, and what you're comfortable with, and in this case, you know, your your amputation actually, I think, sort of acts as a shield in that situation a little bit, you're confident that people aren't really focused on the stuff you used to be concerned about because you know, they're all looking down.
0: It's it's, when I finally realized it, it, it really kind of has, and it's going to sound strange, right? But I think the women listening to our podcast are going to probably, this will resonate with them more than the males only because I think women tend to be a little bit more subconscious in swimsuits. But it really has liberated me and has opened up my summer that I no longer spend the entire summer panicked about how I'm going to look at the pool in front of a bunch of strangers or how I'm going to look at the beach. Um, And it's just been wonderful.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm sure it's a it's a big relief and it's um, I'm glad that you have found that. So for me, it's it's uh, it's some of its activities, and some of it is uh, is very similar to some. Well, it's the exact same thing you said. So let's start with the activities. Um, I, I mentioned that I had to give up running. I've replaced that over the last few years with walking, and so uh, especially when the weather's good, I try to get out multiple times a week, and I'll walk for an hour. I do about a three mile loop near my house, pretty hilly, and while I don't really enjoy walking, I don't, you know, at the end of it. Running's great because you can do it relatively quickly, and at the end of it, you really feel like you've been through the ringer. Um, walking, especially when I'm doing hills, I mean, it is tiring, but it's not the same as as running. Um, and I tend to get really bored <laughs> after about 30 minutes. 30 minutes, I'm looking around like I'm only halfway done and I got to go up this massive hill at the end and whatever. But I have found that um, being outside for that long, particularly Um, When I normally spend my days trapped in front of a computer and just living on the screen in front of me for 10 to 12 hours a day, it's great to get outside and have nothing to do. I I catch up on a lot of the podcasts that I want to listen to when I'm doing that, which is always interesting. and you know, on a on a beautiful spring and summer day, there's there's nothing like it. So that's been really great. Another thing that I started, and I don't I haven't done both of these things consistently, but I there was a period of many years where I was actually doing karate. Um and then for a brief time after I ended that, I started doing boxing. And this was really just to try to stay in shape and to be involved in a discipline that you could improve at over time. And I had never done either of those activities before. And It was really cool, A, because they're both decent workouts. Boxing was a much better workout overall than karate. But, you know, I got into a point with karate where I was sparring with other adults and we were hitting each other. And it was really cool to try to figure out what should I be doing and what can I do, given the fact that my mobility isn't the same as everyone else. So thinking about where your body should be in relation to someone else and what you're doing was pretty interesting. And... The boxing, which I'm actually just going to start tomorrow. We're recording this on Monday. And tomorrow, I'm going to be rejumping with the the boxing thing uh, along with my son, Max. And that is an incredible workout. And I think, Peggy, because I don't have a frame of reference for what those activities are supposed to feel like. So I'm essentially, I've always done both of them in an adapted way. I'm okay with it. Like, I don't, like, if I went out and played, try to play soccer or basketball, I know what playing soccer or basketball felt like, and it doesn't feel the same. But karate and boxing, I don't know what the analog is. I don't, I don't have a frame of reference. And so just being able to muddle my way through them and figure out a way that works for me, that's enough. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then the last thing is exactly the same as yours, which is, I'm doing everything that I do professionally. I'm doing this podcast. I I do my day job um, because of what happened to me. So limb loss has actually given me a career that is much more rewarding and much richer than anything that I had ever thought of on my own with two legs. I mean, I can tell you, I was when I was practicing law and I was sitting in an office for 12 to 14 hours a day, billing hours in tenths of an hour, I can remember just sort of looking down the road and saying, I got to make partner and I don't know how to do that. And I don't really like this. And in some ways it was almost like the limb loss ended up rescuing me from what would have been, I think, a pretty freaking miserable life. (laughs) It would not have been, would not have been fulfilling. I I guess I could have made a living doing it, but it wasn't something that I cared about a great deal. So this was really um, that I, I at least have turned it into very much trying to look at it as a blessing. Okay,
0: So, you know, so to summarize, it's, we both have activities that, that we no longer do. Um, and, you know, it's okay. You don't have to resume everything that you did in your life before your limb loss, because let's face it, you're a different person now, just because you can do something in an adaptive way, doesn't mean that it's going to feel the same or that you want to do it in an adaptive way. And giving yourself permission to, to grow and to experience new things and to rediscover what activities now bring you joy is part of that whole process.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think I think you're absolutely right about that, Peggy. I think it's a good point.
0: Um, you know, and it's okay sometimes to be sad. You know, I I miss going to the beach and not caring about getting those blasted tiny little shells in my foot shell and crunching for a week afterwards. And I wish I could just jump on a boogie board sometime and just play with Robbie. Um, And sometimes I get sad and it's okay. You know, I'm being true to how I'm feeling in the moment, but I don't get stuck there. And then I remember everything else that, that I can do and that I enjoy doing now. Um, And it's okay. And trying new things is, has been extremely rewarding. I think for you as well.
1: Yeah. And I, I mean, the sadness is, so, I, I, you know, as my wife would happily tell anybody, um, I'm very good at bottling up my emotions and packing them down and pretending like everything's okay all the time. I'm, I'm probably a, a black belt in that at least. But I can remember sitting in my car at a red light randomly and watching a guy who was walking across the crosswalk and all of a sudden the light changed and he realized, Oh, I'm not in a good place. And he just jogged across the street to beat the traffic in front of him. And I remember just being for about two or three minutes, just sort of overwhelmed. I'm looking at this and I'm like, I can't do that. Like, I can't just break into that easy run, get across. I mean, I can get across the street more quickly, but it's not going to look like that. It's not going to feel like that. And it really hit me in that moment for some reason. Um, So, yeah, there are things that you can't do and, and you know, it's okay to feel sad about them. But I think as you said just a few minutes ago and as I was talking about, I also think that trying to find activities that are challenging for you that maybe you've never done before so you're not comparing them to what, yet, what you were doing previously. I, I mean, Peggy, I remember I had, I had a patient who was an AKBK. He was from Canada and he loved hockey. Hockey was the game he had played growing up, obviously, as a Canadian. That was probably every kid's dream. And he loved it. And as an AKBK, he actually did get back up on skates, and he was miserable because he said, it's not the same as what I used to do. And a few years later, I'm talking to him, and lo and behold, he is like a kid in the candy store because he had discovered wheelchair tennis. This is a guy who wore his prostheses all day, every day, but... For sports, he found wheelchair tennis, and he loved it. And he was at the, the last time I spoke to him. This is years ago, like over a decade ago. But he was a, he wanted to become a competitive national level wheelchair tennis player, and again, a sport that he had no prior contact with, an activity he had no contact with, and I think mm-hmm. just being able to do something that's unique that that valid makes you feel like you're doing something important. And difficult and challenging, but that isn't a reference point to your old life is really can be really helpful. Awesome. What you felt like when you first learned to use your n- new prosthesis, whether you're a lower extremity amputee and that means you started walking again, or an upper extremity amputee and you started to manipulate objects in the world around you uh, in a bilateral way. I know that I felt an incredible feeling of accomplishment when I did that. And it's an activity that even though you've done it before, you don't really remember having trained to do it. It's not something that you learned knowingly. You just walked. You always walked your whole life. Um, you always used your hands intuitively. And so to learn how to manipulate the world around you, navigate the world with a device is really an incredible feeling, at least it was for me. And I think that all of the activities we're talking about that we put on the positive side of the scale, um, they offer that same kind of feeling potentially. And, and that's, there's nothing that beats that. That's its own kind of high.
0: I would love to know from our listeners, uh, what, what they have kind of abandoned and what they have took, taken on in its place. So yeah.
1: where, if you were a listener, Peggy, where could you relay that message to uh, us?
0: On our on social media at Amped Life is our new social media handle. Same page, so if you've already liked us, you're already transferred. Uh, but for somebody who for some reason oh, gasp has not liked us on Facebook yet, it is at Amped Life A M P D L I F E, or on Twitter, which is still Amped Pod, because it's harder to change Twitter. <laughs> We're working on it though. Um, you know, or email us. Info at AmpedLife.org and let us know uh, what you've changed, what you have stopped doing, what you have discovered since your limb loss. Uh, We want to hear from you.
1: Yeah. And how you feel about it too.
0: Absolutely. Well, of course. Yeah. Duh.
1: Duh.
0: Awesome. All All right. right. I got nothing else. I'm good.
1: Cool. It was great talking to you, Peggy.
0: Have a great week, everyone. Bye.
1: Bye.